0: over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer as a minister and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth check it out anthologies from the forefront book two getting closer to god it's on amazon welcome to from the forefront an fx missions podcast Stories about courageous souls who felt the call of missions and obeyed. Hi, Scott McClellan with your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you being here. Uh, Feel free to share as you will to your friends, family, loved ones, people who are interested in missions. That's what we're trying to encourage here at from the Forefront, and we appreciate you rating us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're excited today to be rejoined by Ernie Peacock. Ernie, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Scott, it's great to be here with you almost a year later. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And and for those of you uh, who might be catching this for the first time or weren't around when Ernie recorded earlier... Ernie and his wife, Sandra, are in the process of planning a church in Guadalajara, Mexico, an international church. We we had him on about a year ago, and we were thankful to meet Ernie and hear about his adventures and uh, frontier missions, if you will, to some degree there in, in Guadalajara. It's a really big city, and I've been there sometimes, all over Mexico from time to time, but thankful you guys are there and doing that work. You plan it if I'm not mistaken, or you started the effort of planning right after the first of this year, 2018. Is is that correct?
1: It was actually uh, a few months in. Our first service, we called it a preview service. Uh, We conducted it here in my house on September the 9th, actually. So we had to get settled in and get some things taken care of. But uh, so we were actually this past
0: weekend, we celebrated our third month, okay, okay, so I think I'm getting confused with when you went to Mexico and started the preparation before your meetings. that was January of last year. am I right? Yes, that's correct we okay. we crossed right. the
1: border right after the first of January,
0: okay, wow, yeah, well, tell me how has the year been? I mean, has the year been flown flown by or 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 has it not flown by?
1: No, actually, it has gone by pretty quickly. We uh, obviously didn't sit around twiddling our thumbs waiting for September the 9th to occur, but there was a lot of prep leading to the uh, pre-launch. Also, we, we had some prior commitments with some churches that were going to be coming in from the States to do some ministry with us. So we came here basically in our automobile and whatever would fit in there and We had to find a house that took about a month and then we had to get settled in. And then we had these, I think we had three teams this year, Uh three different church groups, a couple of uh, university groups that came in and we did some ministry, just kind of reconnected with some of the churches that Sandra and I had planted here during our time about 15 years ago. So we stayed busy, but all along our mind was set toward planting the church.
0: Wow, and I, I know you guys spent some time in Mexico. Of course, you've been in Europe. You worked extensively in missions here for a few decades, <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah. maybe closing on three decades. Am I yeah, right?
1: That is true. Yeah, hard to wow. believe. Wow,
0: <laughs> time flies when you're having fun, <laughs> so they say, or when you're not in pain. Maybe is is a good way to say it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. What a blessing. You know, there's a lot of granularity that goes on in the kind of work you're doing and the kind of starting from zero, the entrepreneurial approach, if you will. What kind of stuff's going on? What can you help us understand about your process and just some things that you're encountering day to day there? First of all,
1: coming back uh, was a very exciting for us. I mean, we, we left Guadalajara in 2004 and have worked in, as you stated earlier, different parts of the world. So to come back was very exciting, especially with a a vision that God had placed in our hearts while we were in Spain pastoring the international church there Mm -hmm. uh, to come back to Guadalajara for such a time as this. Mm. Guadalajara is obviously a high-tech city, just a lot of international business going on here. So, this was pretty much our our target audience in coming back to plant the church. So it's very mm-hmm. different in, in a sense than some of the ways that we planted before mm-hmm. in times past. The process was similar but yet very different. The city, over ten million people, very congested, not as big as Mexico City, of course, but uh, still the, the challenges of that. And so right. our first order of, of things was to get settled in, get a lay of the land, and then find our target area. And so that's mm-hmm. that's where we're at right now. We found our target area. We've made some inroads. We're still in the pre-launch stages of the church plant, which means we, we are having services. So that's kind of where we're at. We're building a team mm-hmm. and trying to reach people uh, along the way.
0: Here's something that occurs to me, and hopefully it makes sense, but I would imagine the Guadalajara that you left in 2004 is kind of maybe a different place, maybe drastically different place than the one you came back to in 18. How has Guadalajara, how's the context changed versus when you were there nearly 15 years ago?
1: Well, it it has changed. In many regards. And one of the things that we're experiencing is a tremendous amount of growth. It's probably the fastest growing city in Mexico. Certainly the number one job creator. There's a lot of construction going on. When we were here prior, there were just a handful of what we would consider high rises. And now they're everywhere, especially this in this mm-hmm. business district, this financial district that we're living in and which is our target area, they're building high-rises just continually. So wow. my understanding wow. is they have uh, 150 permits that have been given out over the last three years to build 150 new high-rises. And you can, wow. if you look out across, and the beautiful thing is from my house, I can look out and see the business district mm. and all of the new architecture. There's just some beautiful, beautiful buildings which to me is a point of reference to pray, to pray for the people living and working in those buildings. So the uh, setting has changed quite a bit since we were here last.
0: I think from hearing you describe it, it sounds like Guadalajara is the Silicon Valley of Mexico. The technology, all the development, everything that's going on there. I've spent a lot more time in Mexico City than I have in Guadalajara. I've been to Guadalajara. I've been through there a few times. I like the city. Mexico City makes you seek something different. You know I mean, unless you like Mexico City for its own sake. Obviously, I have some friends there, and I enjoy being with them. But the city as a just in itself a lot of rich with history and all that. But it's a massive, massive thing, and. I think I would could see the attraction in the Guadalajara that you're describing of today. It's a happening place. There's a lot going on. there's a lot of development. There's a lot of people going there to get educated. A lot of times I think we target and we think about unreached people or whatever we think you know our mind instantly goes to a certain demographic, a certain kind of person. Right, but there are other people on the other end of the spectrum that are also unreached, and it sounds like that's your target. Can you elaborate a little bit on that?
1: We're a church for all people, although we do have a particular demographic that we're striving to reach, and that is because the church, by and large is not reaching the people that are here from Outside of Mexico, the international English-speaking business people, as well as people that are retired, we had a retired couple uh, join us for service yesterday. They're from the states and they've been here for several years, and and they've been looking for a church. There are a couple of other groups or churches that do offer English services. There's an English-only church that's actually affiliated with another evangelical church that uh-huh. meets as well. But as far as I know, we're the only church that is offering a bilingual experience. And so our, our oh. all of our, from our worship, our announcements to the ministry of the word is completely bilingual. My wife and I've been married for almost 37 years and we kind of have a feel for one another. And as a matter of fact, she was my first translator when we moved to Mexico back in 1987. And so uh, we flow pretty well together. And so I preach in Spanish and she'll translate the message in English, which works well, especially for non-Spanish speakers or English as a first language people who are learning Spanish because they kind of hear the message in Spanish and then they're in their mind as you're probably learning a second language yourself. So you're actually you're translating what you're hearing into your language. And so this kind of this is what's taking place each Sunday. Then, of course, we have Spanish speakers who who hear the message in their first language and then they try to connect the dots with the English. And so Mm. it's a very unique type of service, but it flows very well. And that's the main thing.
0: That is very cool. I think I may have been imagining it a different way. Of course, in Texas, you know, there's a lot of uh, Spanish being spoken. I know you guys are from Texas. I I didn't realize you preached in Spanish, but it makes sense to me now. I had it the other way around in my head. I thought she was translating you into Spanish, but I don't know why I had thought that. I have no idea, Ernie. That was... (laughs) That doesn't make, why would I think that? I guess because I talk to you in English all the time. Maybe that's it. That could
1: be it. You know, English is actually my first language. I didn't learn Spanish until I was 30 years old. Whereas my wife, her first language was Spanish. She was raised in the States since she was about three. And so English is actually her second language. And you would never know that by speaking to her. She's an educator or was an educator in the States.
0: Yeah. So you'd never
1: know that. But for me, I, I preached in Spanish for so many years. Mm. It just to me, I don't I don't know. It kind of takes on a, a life of itself, you know. Mm-hmm. When I speak in Spanish versus uh speaking in English, it's it's hard to hard to describe. You just have to come and attend a service at the international church here and figure it out yourself.
0: I would very much love to. We're gonna be not too far from you guys in March and hopefully I'll get down there to see you guys. We're going to be in one in the state of Guanajuato. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A couple hours away. Not too far. Not too far. I'll be in touch about that as things progress. And I know what you're saying. The way I've learned Spanish is just the way you're describing it, where you, something's being translated. I'm being translated or someone else is being translated and I can get both sides of the conversation. Right. That has been super helpful to me in learning Spanish. So I'm tracking right with you.
1: Going back to your question, you know, after being here, of course, we did some research prior to coming, but I had an opportunity to go to, of course, this is a a college university city. It's the second largest university city in the country, over a quarter of a million students at the university of Guadalajara. And then we've come to find out many universities, uh, major universities have come to Guadalajara since we left 15 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. One
1: of them being the Tech of Monterey, which is one of the, the leading right. schools. Premier in
0: the Tech school. Yeah. Yes. Premier Tech. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So
1: they're, they're just right down the road as well. The University of Autonoma is just, I mean, from my house, as I told you, I can see the business district. It's a quarter of a mile away and I can, I actually live right on the backside of the autonomous campus and uh, they have <laughs> yes exactly so another point of reference for prayer they have over 3500 american students that are studying medicine at uh, autonoma yeah they're students from the states they receive full funding it's one of probably one of the only schools outside of the US that you can actually get funding from the government, all the funds that would be available to you, the aid, et cetera, if you attended a high mm-hmm. school is available here. So we have 3,500 wow. Americans who are studying medicine here that are in the city for anywhere from four to six years. Of course, their classes are in English. Many of them don't even speak Spanish uh, at all. I'm sure they learn a little bit while they're here. Either they have no place to worship or, or they're unreached. And so Right, I think a new term for that is as pre-salvation, right?
0: <laughs> right. We
1: want to create a space. We want to become the church where we can. We're, we're reaching out to them, and certainly a place where they can come and meet other English speakers, and just a place of fellowship and hear about the things of the Lord.
0: What an opportunity! That seems to me to be so strategic. I had no idea that that I obviously knew there were a lot of universities in town, but not that specifically. So, very. Very cool opportunity. It seems like we'll certainly be spending some time in prayer specific to that. The English speakers, you know, I mean, I know when people, my interactions with university students over the years who are coming from outside the U.S. to get educated in the States, it creates an interesting dynamic of opportunity where people would be open to consider things maybe that are not what they're used to, or they're looking for some kind of real connection, when they're far, far away from home. Right. So I could see that being really the Lord could use that and make it impactful. That's very cool.
1: Well, on the flip, flip side of that, at that same campus, you have over a thousand international students that come from outside of the U.S. and Canada. So from other countries, mm-hmm. not necessarily predominantly Latin America. We have people here from the UK. There's one young lady who's studying from the UK, another guy from Ireland who's teaching, which is another dynamic, just adding another layer to the mix. There are so many English speaking schools that are elementary, pre K, junior high, high school that were non existent when we were here. So you have a lot of people that have come in to teach at these schools. So we've had people from Brazil. We've had people from the UK, something that we're finding out as well. There's a large Indian population here, people from India that are here Mm. in the tech industry. We have a young man who's a Christian from India. He came about a month ago to one of our services and he lives basically in an apartment complex or actually a, a hotel, excuse me, and he's working with a company. He says there are a thousand young Indian uh, males and females that are here. Most of them are, are single and they're here for anywhere from eight to 12 months. And so they've been sent here from India working in the tech industry to train young Mexican professionals. But like you said, there are just some great opportunities for an, to plant an international church here in the city.
0: I don't know why that catches me unsuspecting. Of course, Every nation has its contribution, mm-hmm. and India certainly has a very specific and unique and consequential contribution. I do business in my business with some folks from india, so i'm i've got some familiarity. But I, I did not see that one coming. I don't know why, and I, I know in Mexico City there are there are large communities of a lot of different kind of people, like there are in LA and like there are in New York and, sure. and other places like that. But that's surprising to me. With India having, like us Texans, a fork of English, it's not English, but it's something something like it. Right. You know? <laughs> Just like we do, it's uh, we got our own brand of English for sure. But it creates common ground. You guys have had some interaction with this young man, I'm guessing you're able to understand his accent and him yours, or maybe he speaks Spanish. I don't know.
1: I think that it would be more him understanding my Texas accent than me understanding (laughs) his Indian accent. But we worked in an international context in Spain. So we're, we had people from India, from the Philippines, from China, which is really what is quite interesting uh, in planting an international church. So let's say, just to give you an example, and this is true in any context, because as you said, the world has become a mosaic. It's Mm. culture. There are no boundaries much any, any longer. There are no boundaries keeping people from traveling and living around the world. So if you can reach someone, for example, this young man who has contact, and I don't know to what degree, with a thousand other young Indian professionals that are working here, and he said most of them are Hindu. But the common denominator there is one, that they're young, and two, they are looking for that point of fellowship, that place of coming together. We have a contact in that community, and so our, our hope is is that he would be the conduit into reaching other young Indian professionals, whether they be Hindu or Christians, to bring them into, into our culture. We have a, a young adult couple who's here as missionary associates working with us, and they have started. They're in a, I think this is their fourth service tonight. So they're having a, a weekly Bible study in English. Mm. And this, again, offers that context of fellowship and speaking English and studying the Bible. I think they put a little mm. food in the mix as well. That helps.
0: <laughs> yes, can't hurt. <laughs> I want to go back to one statement you made there, which I think was poetic in a sense, emphasize this from a mission standpoint, the world having become a mosaic. I don't think I've thought about it in those terms, but that really rings true to me and rings loud and clear to me. I've got friends who are working, and we've done some work with the Congolese in South Africa. Those same people work with the Indian community in London. Mm-hmm. As you say, these there's small pieces of culture that represent that mosaic that are, for whatever reason, whether it be opportunity or duress or any number of factors that drives a people group or a part of a people group into a different context, that to me is this world has become a mo- mosaic, is very real, and I've experienced that. So I think that can create some advantages for the gospel, and it sounds like, that's something that you may have seen for some time now. Yeah. Especially with the international experience you guys had pastoring there in Spain, which is also very, very similar, I guess, in those ways. Well, Scott, that's
1: that's God's plan for the church. I mean, if you go back uh, in Genesis and you you read the story, the biblical story of the Tower of Babel, everyone spoke the same language. I mean, just think about the whole world. The entire population, global population, spoke one language. How easy would it be to evangelize in Russia, per se, or anywhere, India, if you all spoke the same language? And so Mm. from Babel, one became many, but at Pentecost, many became one. And while we still speak different languages, it is the Holy Spirit that has made us one One church, one body, we speak the the same spirit language. And God's intent Mm. from the very beginning was that the church reflect that. And, you know, the spirit knows no boundaries, just like tech knows no boundaries. As long as you've got an internet connection, man, I mean, you can go anywhere in the world and speak just about any language you want to. And the church, hopefully, Scott, we're catching up, but I can tell you the church here in Mexico, for example, I mean, Mexicans reach Mexicans. This is right. why we've come to plant an international church is because the Mexican church is reaching Mexicans. They're not thinking outside of that context. And so right. you take a city like Guadalajara, there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of extranjeros, foreigners who are living here and they're not, they don't feel comfortable in the national church or they just don't fit. And so right. we have Mexican young people who don't fit in the church in their own Mexican context. They don't fit. They work in these tech companies. They work with these right. international peoples. They're being trained. We have a young lady from Chicago. She's a part of our church. She was sent here by a company to train. She's over 60 young Mexican professionals and she's training them in English. She doesn't speak Spanish. And so These young men and women, most of them have never been reached with the gospel. They don't go to church. And if they did, they would fit very well uh, simply because of the – let me stop just for a moment. One of the things we have noticed since we've been back is that there are, I guess, what we would consider a mega church. Here in Mexico, anything Mm -hmm. over a. 200 is a mega church. Okay. We have some churches here in the city that were non existent when I was here, either that or they were just kind of like on the cutting edge, but they were still running about 100, 150, 15 years mm-hmm. ago. Well, some of those churches have broken out. They're doing church differently. They're not preaching a different message, they're just preaching it in a different using a different method. There's a right. church called Mas Vida, they just opened another campus here in town. Their first campus, they're running about 2,000. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And get this, it's all satellite. It's a satellite feed from Morelia. Uh, they don't have live preaching their preacher the pastors in morelia but they have a staff they have a pastoral team they have live worship and all of that and it, it's being done differently you know you got the all the colored lights the lasers the smoke and all that but when it gets right. to the preaching of the word it's certainly geared toward it's a youthful style the beauty is is they're they're having an impact and so they're reaching mm-hmm. kids that normally would not attend. I guess what we would call a, one of our more traditional churches. Right. And right. Unfortunately, the majority of our church. Well, I, I, and I can't say that. You know, God, God knows, right?
0: Right. But right. the majority
1: of our churches are are traditional churches. And so yeah. uh, we're thankful to be here to be doing something. I would say different that that I've not found other churches doing. And we're not saying we're better. We're just try to reach people that the church has not been positioned previously to do,
0: to, to, yeah. to reach out to. Having traveled in Mexico, not, I've never lived in Mexico. I've been in Mexico for near 15 years, multiple times a year. I've been in many ways impacted by the culture there. I don't know all the major cities in terms of having spent a ton of time in each one of them. But I would say from my perspective that if many of the churches in the states are traditional, I would say that that would be equally true in Mexico, and maybe slightly more in terms of my experience. Just the timing of how evangelism or evangelicalism has reached Mexico in what timeframes, in terms of the maturity continuum. There's a there's a lot of traditional ministries in Mexico that I've contacted, and as the generations are coming forward, especially as you're talking about technology and the internet and those kinds of things, the younger generation is having influences from places that the previous generations had. There was no impact there. Right. We're talking about internet, music, and stuff that's coming from different parts of the world. So that sets up a challenge and also, I think, equally an opportunity. That, to me, seems very clear as we're talking about it. Because a lot of the younger population in Mexico are speaking English, there's some musical influence there, YouTube, you know, whatever else. There's a lot of uh, just a lot of media and a lot more accessibility than there was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. That to me also creates opportunity, I think, or creates a context that you're trying to serve and work in. Am I saying it well? Is that making sense?
1: No, I think so. And you're making perfect sense, at least to me. You know, a lot of people, when they think of Mexico, we go to the stereotypical, the little Mexican statue with the man who's bent over wearing a sombrero, you know, he's he's <laughs> sitting there and right next to the little bur- burro. you know. But, you know, right, that, right. don't get me wrong. There are places that you can go, little pueblos and, and places that, that you can find that type of life and laid back lifestyle. But much of Mexico has evolved. We have the Chivas Stadium. Chivas is the local soccer team. Mm -hmm. It's owned by one of the wealthiest men um, in the country. Beautiful, incredible stadium. Well, about once a month, uh, I mean, if you want to go see Bruno Mars or Katy Perry, or I think Pink Floyd was just here. I mean, (laughs) all these people are literally filling these stadiums and Seats aren't cheap. I mean, you, you'll pay anywhere from fifty to four hundred dollars for a ticket, and so wow, th- things have changed. <laughs> things have changed yeah. quite a bit,
0: for sure. I mean, the economic impact of Mexico. A lot of times we think about that picture, the quintessential, the sort of the traditional picture. But I remember from not too recent, but Mexico's got the eleventh biggest economy in the world. It's a not what it was. There's as many kids with smartphones there as, there as there is in the U.S. from my observation. There's a lot of technology. I remember when 3G came to uh, cell phones, you know, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I got this here um, some years ago. I went to Mexico and the 3G network in Mexico was twice as fast as it was in the States. Sadly, I ended up with a $2,200 bill from at somehow on that. What? <laughs> Shouldn't have been surfing quite so fast. Got a lot of data downloaded. I was able to negotiate something with them. But I was just, you know, the infrastructure, there are people making investments in the infrastructure in Mexico in a way that's changing, rapidly changing that context to be a first world, especially in the major cities, to be a first world kind of context.
1: Yeah. Even stretching to the border because the infrastructure, you know, they have super highways that run throughout the country now. A lot of that's because of the trade with the United States and Canada. And so I mm-hmm. remember first time I came to Mexico, I drove from the southern border of Texas all the way to the southern coastline of the Pacific down here. It was a 24-hour trip. Right. It would take me 18 hours to drive to the border from Guadalajara to the Texas border. I can make that in 10 now. Wow. And so things have changed. Of course you pay toll, but you know, it's still, yeah, yeah. it's worth it. It's worth the wear and tear and yeah. the savings on the gas and all that. So it's, right. and people think about they're you know, what is it safe? Well, we've never had any trouble traveling and we do a lot of traveling uh, via automobile. Mm-hmm. There are pockets throughout the country that are unsafe. I don't recommend driving late at night, but the military is out on the road. You don't have to fear them. The state police or the federal police, they dot the highways. You don't really need to fear them for the most part. uh, We've never had Mm -hmm. any run-ins or issues with either of those officials. And so we, we have found it pretty safe to travel.
0: Right, right. I could elaborate to your point there, and I, I, because I've drove from the Carolinas to Oaxaca one time, just because I thought that was I needed to do that. Twenty-four hours driving on both sides of the border, even on the autopistas, <laughs> and it was. Uh, we didn't encounter, you know, we we made it back home. We didn't. We had some moments of unfamiliarity with what was going on, but like you say, avoiding driving late at night things like that. There are ways to navigate that safely and without incident. The real stereotypical problem or the issue with safety that comes immediately to mind, you know, I think the Lord's going to, He's going to protect us as we're doing what He's leading us to do. We want to take necessary precautions and, and pay close attention to what's going on, be situationally aware, be dialed into our environment. But we can do it, and we can do it safely with the Lord's leading. So thanks for saying that, and I, I'm i totally tracking with you. So as we're concluding here, Ernie, how can we pray for the International Church of Guadalajara? What can we do to stand with you guys? If if someone's listening here, they want to find out more information, I'd like to just kind of wrap all that together and, and make sure that we're tuned in to what you guys how you could benefit from prayer, what can we focus on, and how can we uh, support you guys? What what can we do to find out more? Those kind of things.
1: You know, our website is icgdl.com, International Church, IC, and of course GDL being Mm Guadalajara.com. And so they can go there and find out more information about us. We also have a Facebook page, International Church Guadalajara. If they want to go, go to our page, give us a like. If they're in town and looking for a church, they can certainly find us on at either of those on the web or, or on Facebook. We right now have been at this one particular location for a couple of months. Our last service is on December the 23rd at this particular location because they're making some changes. And so we we will be shifting gears on January the 6th. We'll be moving to the same vicinity, same general area, to a Holiday Inn. And so uh, we'll be at the Holiday Inn meeting on Sundays for the next few months while we look for a location. It's been very difficult finding property. We're not looking for vacant property. We're looking for a building that we can house our church in and, of course, have midweek activities and all that. So that's been a real challenge. One, because of a lack of space and two, because of the price. We're in the highest rent district in the entire state. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, we know the Lord is going to provide, but those two things combined have been challenging. So people would pray that the Lord would open a door in His timing for us to be able to relocate to a more permanent facility in our target area. That would be wonderful. Okay. We're also getting ready to launch some small groups outside of just our English speaking only. And so the materials abound. I mean, there are a lot of materials, but we're just trying to figure out how to make that happen. One of the challenges is that most of the Mexican work schedule is very different from what we do in the States
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: most work until about seven o'clock. And so you get off at seven and then it's going to take you an hour just to get anywhere so our midweek groups, we can't even start till about 8 or 8.30, right.
0: which is yeah.
1: especially challenging to some people that have small kids. So
0: mm-hmm. we're
1: working through the process as we as we move forward. But certainly some, some great things that the Lord has on our plate for us moving into 2019. So if they'd pray for the facility, as well as we're trying to make inroads, Into some of these campuses and reach out to some, not just the internationals, but the Mexican young Mexican professionals Mm -hmm. as well. So we really need people to come. I'd love to add two or three more young missionary couples to come alongside of us and help us.
0: Yes, That's certainly
1: another need that we
0: have. I remember when in our previous podcast, and if if you're listening to this podcast, you haven't heard the first one, really encourage you to go back and listen to that. There's some more information about some of the on-ramps there. If you're interested in serving in missions in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico, there's some information there, as I recall, that will help you understand that process. Very much appreciate the work you're doing. We'll keep these items in prayer and standing with you guys. Hope to see you before long. That would be very cool. My trips, my time is, like yours, in high demand. And sometimes I definitely don't get to where the places I want to get to, but I'll try to get to see you guys in in some of my next few rotations in Mexico. Well, I hope it works out. Yes, sir. Appreciate your efforts for the gospel and your courage to start that often can be the, the biggest challenge. I know you've done, you yourself have done it a number of times, but a lot of what this podcast is about is encouraging people who are thinking about missions to take that first step. So appreciate you guys providing a solid example for that. Just to recap a little bit in terms of contacting you guys, the ICGDL, so International Church, GDL is the airport code for Guadalajara, I remember right. Mm. That I think that's how I first recognized, met you as I saw this the sign for ICGDL. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I knew Guadalajara well because I'd recently flown in there or something at the time. So it just stood out to me.
1: Well there there is
0: and also yeah, on there Facebook. Is another,
1: excuse me for interrupting. There is another. There's an ICGDL.org. I had no clue when we came up with ICGDL. That's actually Iglesia de Cristo. Guadalajara. So that's the Church of Christ, Guadalajara, and they have the .dot org. We have the .dot com. And of course, we're the International Church, of Guadalajara.
0: Right, and and if you go there, as I'm there now, you'll see Ernie and Sandra and and some shots of the skyline, some of the work they're doing. Get more information about their ministry and and what they're up to, even beyond more depth than we've been able to cover here on the the podcast. We'd encourage you to stand with and pray for them. And we'll be doing just that, Ernie. And we'll Thank look you. for another update downrange. Really appreciate you taking time out to be here. It's a blessing to talk with you again and to hear of your updates. And we'll continue to follow you guys as the years stretch on here. Believing the Lord's going to give you a permanent place to be. I know exactly what you're saying about the rent from other experiences in Mexico and not only what it costs, but availability. <laughs> right? It's just it's not as simple sometimes as we often think it will be in terms of from the stateside perspective. you're very experienced with it but it, it was some I had some learning and some onboarding to the way things are there so we'll look forward to to catching you downrange. I really appreciate your work man and what everything the Lord's doing in you and your family in the ministry and in Guadalajara. Thanks a lot thank you. I'm Scott McClellan for your FX missions the Foundational Missions from the Forefront podcast. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Until next time, have a good one. This podcast made possible through the partnership of Engaging Missions Show, bringing missions home, and encouraging you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. Find out more at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for joining us for the FX Missions podcast From the Forefront. If you'd like to find out more about FX Missions, please do so at our blog, fxmissions.com. With quite a bit of content out there, we hope you enjoy it. Also, if you'd like to rate us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use, we would really appreciate it. And find out more about today's guest at our Facebook page. Just search for From the Forefront on Facebook, If you know of someone who should be featured on From the Forefront because of their Forefront missions experience or exploits, please reach out to us at info at Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, I'm Scott McClelland, and you have a good one.